Welcome to another episode of the Limitless Life Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Smith. And if you have not done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss another episode. And if you love this podcast and want some more tips and tricks on how to improve yourself, go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel. There are a ton of instructional videos there. You can find the links below. But for today, but for today, my guest is Ted Zimnicki. He is a Canadian-born, American-bred coach, speaker, writer, and teacher. He's personally gone from morbidly obese to nationally ranked strength athlete, competing in strongman. Before deep diving into coaching and the fitness industry, Ted's career was in stage performance, including musical theater and opera. His current passion is bringing the same tools he used at the highest levels of sports performance to the stage performance world, as well as increasing the levels of health, fitness, and strength in all people around the world. He is currently in Phoenix, Arizona, where he and his wife, Miriam, run their online gym. Hino Performance, where they help people all over the world become the best versions of themselves. Ted, my friend, thank you very much for being on the show. Absolute pleasure, Kyle. I'm, I'm so pumped. This is going to be great. Absolutely. So can you, uh, can you give us a little introduction and tell us a little story about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I think you did a great job with the intro there. That's, that's kind of my whole life in a nutshell. Uh, but I suppose to, to go a little bit deeper on some of that stuff, um, really my, my catalyst to get me to start doing what I'm doing now was really sort of three things in increasing intensity. So I, uh, like you mentioned, I I've been, was morbidly obese growing up. Um, the, the way that I like to phrase that is when I was 19 years old, I, I stepped on my bathroom scale and it literally broke. Uh, that's not an exaggeration. I stepped on it and like I heard a pop in the scale and it, it wouldn't show me a number. Uh, I know that that scale would go up to 350. So I was somewhere north of 350. Uh, but believe it or not, that wasn't enough to get me to start doing stuff. So number two was I was in music school at the time, a little college uh, in upstate New York called Ithaca College. And um, Go Bombers, by the way, horrible name for a mascot, but still. Uh, and I was going to class and I went to sit down in one of those, those chair desk combo things wearing a button down shirt. Uh, and like something out of a cartoon, right? It's, it's, I sat down and the bottom two buttons of my shirt just popped right off. Blue, in my memory, feels like, flew 10 feet and hit my professor in the eye. Of course, that didn't actually happen. But in my memory, it feels that way. Uh, super embarrassing. And I'm literally sitting there for the whole class, like frozen in terror and fear with my belly literally hanging out of my shirt. Um, but that wasn't enough for me. Uh, what was enough, kind of the third piece here, was I was singing in in what's called a master class, right? And that's when, uh, for anyone listening who might not know, it's when you you get up on stage and you sing a piece for a visiting teacher who's never seen you before, who's never met you before, and these are always public, right? So your friends come, your classmates come, your teachers come, and it's it's they're they're usually a, a or they can be a big deal. And this one kind of was because this dude had a a big old fancy name. No, I won't tell you. Um, but uh, after I finished singing. He said, uh, hey, you know, you you sound just great, but you'll never get hired being that fat. And that did it. That that was enough for me. Uh, so once I got through the, the depression that that brought, because naturally I was just shamed in front of everyone I knew and held dear, uh, I feel extremely lucky that I had a couple of friends who were you know, more than willing to to help me out and give me my first sort of steps into the gym. And they're still some of my best friends. Now we're we're at a more comparable level of fitness though. So we're like, hey, I bench pressed this today. Yeah, I squatted this, blah, blah. And we like, we have friendly competition. So it's great. Uh, and then from that started working with, which, with coaches and trainers uh, myself so I could learn, learn more, got, you know, now more certifications than I care to talk about because the amount of money I've spent on it is a little nuts. Um, but it's, it's really become an, an incredible passion, uh, behind, you know, coaching weight loss. And of course, working with the population that I'm really connected to. So stage performers, musical theater and opera singers, uh, instrumentalists, actors, singers, dancers, all that type of stuff and using really more high level neurology, which is one of those certifications that I continue to pay for because it's continuing education, uh, 
but it's been really transformative for a lot of them because what's good for your body is good for your mind is good for your voice good for your fingers for whatever instrument you're playing uh and it 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 has all come together really nicely so far uh and as as i grow older as my business grows older as my knowledge grows deeper uh it seems like it, things are only going up from here that's pretty awesome dude i love the overlap i find that <clears throat> i find that something that many uh entrepreneurs have or business owners or people that are very interested in business is the it's a creative outlet for a majority of people. So I find that the, like Rick Rubin, for example, he, I've mentioned him a lot on this podcast because he has an awesome book. It's called The Creative Act, The Art of Being. And I find that the medium is different for everyone, but the creative, the creativity is there for everyone. So people always have a creative outlet to express themselves. And I find that business is a similar to that same with fitness. It's a form of creativity and expression. How does the, how does your history as an opera singer and your business and your fitness how is there an overlap do you where's the where's the common denominator there i <clears throat> excuse me i love that you you use the word overlap because i i talk about that constantly i sometimes think in venn diagrams mm. uh just to to see how it all overlaps and uh the as far as i can tell at the most basic level the way that all of those things overlap is that they're hard because the competition is incredible, right? Uh, you're, you're not going to accidentally get good at any of those things. You're not going to accidentally be a world-class opera singer. You're not going to accidentally have an amazing physique or amazing strength. You're not going to accidentally have an amazing business. So all of those things are hard. And the skill of being, the skill of, being comfortable while uncomfortable. I stole that from CrossFit, by the way, so I can't nice. take credit for that one. Uh, like that in and of itself is a skill. And when you get really good at that, when you get okay looking stupid at the beginning, uh, then you're 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 limitless. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks for the plug man i know it wasn't exactly a plug but pretty darn close <laughs> okay i actually got a question on that one so hard yeah. hard is a skill that's built up uh i like the the idea that you have to be the fool before you become the state the sage and the difficulty is there um where where is it do you find and even you can speak from your own personal experience on this one. Where is it? Do you find that people other than it being obviously hard, but do you find that there is a moment or a thought or just um, a period in someone's journey where they find themselves at like what we were talking about before at the point where they expect it to be hard. And now they finally get to feel what that hard is like. Where do you find, how do you get through that? How would you get through that if you did not practice that mental resiliency? It's, it's remarkable how often this comes up, right? In, in all aspects. And I think the, the last thing of what you said there, I think is really important. If you haven't practiced that mental resiliency. And I don't think it's possible to be an adult in 2023 and in any country. I mean, I think... We, we both live in North America, right? So extremely lucky as far as like, we're, we're both, you know, white dudes in North America, we're living life on easy mode, right? So if, if we getting to, to this stage in life for anybody, you've gone through some hard stuff, right? Like it's impossible not to, everyone's definition of hard is different, right? But if it feels hard, then you're right. It is. So practicing that I I don't think that that's necessarily a valuable thing to look for but instead think about your history and say what like what's the hardest thing I've ever done what are some of the hardest things I've ever done 
oh, okay, I have done hard things. Can I do, can I, can I do hard things? Can I continue to do hard things? Okay, I guess I have this piece of experience and this piece of experience and this piece of experience that proves that I can. Uh, maybe I can do another one. Is it worth trying? Yeah, maybe, probably. Let's find out. Because I think everyone knows that, you know, to accomplish anything great, it's going to be hard. And this is this is what hard feels like, as you mentioned earlier, before we started recording. Uh, and and I like to say all the time that there are no treasures behind an unlocked door. Mm. So if you want hard things, you're going to have to break some locks. Or if you want great things, you're going to have to break some locks. And that's hard. You ever tried to break down a locked door? It's hard. Uh, no, and hard, hard is good. Everybody always says growth is uncomfortable. And then they get uncomfortable and they get shy. And they try to hide. And that's a great way to stay exactly where you're at and not grow. If that's your goal. Awesome. You did it. Congratulations. But if you're listening to the Limitless Life podcast, chances are that's not your goal. Yeah. Going going for going from average to excellent, from mediocrity to badass. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and I don't think that people are prepared for that process to suck. Mm. Right? Because everybody only sees the beginning and the end of the Rocky movies. Right? They forget about the montage. And the montage in the movie takes like what, two, three, four minutes? And all we do is go back and listen to Eye of the Tiger and think about him like climbing the steps of the Philadelphia Art Museum, like, ah, it's great. And at the end, Adrian, right? Uh, and those are the moments we remember. We still listen to Eye of the Tiger when we're working out, but the montage in real life, even in boxing, right? <laughs> the montage in that movie covers months of time. In real life, that montage could be years of time in the slog, in the work, uh, like beating up dead cows and like climbing a mountain with a log on your back. Like that's hard. That sucks. So go into it expecting it to suck. I, I don't know if, if it's picking it up, but on, on the bottom of my squat rack there, I'm trying to move my hand in a weird way. Um, and like, it just says, embrace the suck. Cause it's gonna, it's nothing you can do about it but you can be a hell of a lot better for it once you get through it. So what do you think is the separator between, so the suck is going to gonna be there no matter what. What's the difference between people who struggle to make progress and the ones that flourish? I think it, it this is super cliche, right? And you, you've, you've probably heard it a million times, uh, but it always boils down to, to the why. Like, why are you really doing this? And a really helpful exercise that, that that I've used is get a blank sheet of paper. And, you know, for, for me as a, a, a the occasional writer, as the occasional creative person, a blank sheet of paper can be kind of scary because it's unlimited possibility. And you have to make those choices. And making choices is the scariest thing that anyone will ever have to do, you know? And so you get a blank sheet of paper and you have unlimited choices how do I, oh my gosh, what happens? You think too long about it, you have an existential crisis. Uh, so don't think too much, but get that blank sheet of paper and write down your why. Then write down a different one. Then write down a different one. Then write down a different one. And do that until you have at least 20 whys. This might take you an hour. It often takes me all day. And then once you have all 20 of those, at least, then go through and read them and see what feels true. Right? We were talking before we started recording um, about the why behind weight loss. Right? Because both of us deal with weight loss on a daily basis. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, people who want to lose weight. And, and that's a, a super common goal in North America. Uh, well, I, I forget the statistic, but something like half of all adult North Americans are, are either overweight or obese. Uh, and if you go around the world, it's, it's at least in you know this hemisphere, it's, it's pretty similar, right? Uh, so the the thing with with oh gosh, I totally lost my train of thought there. I'm You're so sorry. 
all good. You're brain dumping the why you're going through yes, and then the why. give her um, the why behind weight loss. Often the first one is, uh, you know, because I didn't like the way I looked in this shirt or because my pants are, are not fitting. Okay. Uh, and then what are the other 20 reasons? And eventually you have to start digging deep into your mind and going, what's really motivating this? Maybe it's because I, you know, I've always hated the way that I felt about myself. I mean, it kind of was for me in my case. And it took that, you know, can we swear on this podcast? I forget. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Fuck took, yes. Great. Hell yeah. It took that asshole teacher in the moment to say like, hey, this is a truth. And in retrospect, he's probably right. If you look at people who are getting the kind of jobs I used to go out for there, the the whole like fat lady with horns on her head for an off, like that's not a thing anymore. It's not a thing anymore. There's too much competition to allow yourself to have that look. This casting director is going to immediately go with someone who sings just as well, but also happens to be more attractive. Is that right? Is that fair? No, of course not. But I don't get to choose right and fair. I only get to look at the world and say what and see what's happening. Uh, so you got to dig deep and find your why so that you can go back to it in those moments when it's hard. Because if you don't have it, if you're only do if you're only trying to lose, you know, two or three pounds uh, so that Sherry, so you can look prettier than Sherry at work. But in reality, you're dealing with you know, you've never felt good about yourself because you've always, you've always hated the way that your belly presses against your clothing or, you know, maybe, I mean, if we're going super deep, right, maybe your, your, your mom, or your parents said something to you when you were a child that you might not even remember. Right. Mm -hmm. But then now we're getting into psychology. I'm not going to pretend to be Freud or anything like that. Uh, but that stuff happens, right? Like that's a real thing. So if you don't really know what you're doing and feel successful, in the small, small victories along the way, then you're going to end up quitting. The hard is going to outweigh the benefit. I like that. That's pretty sweet. So uh, <clears throat> to go on to a more personal question, just because I think it's a cool question. Yeah. Uh, what do I need to know about your youth and your past in order to understand the person that is right in front of me? <laughs> well, um, I came in second a lot. I came in second a lot. Um, so growing up, um, and I, I, I was, I've been overweight for as long as I can remember, right? From birth to 19, I was overweight as far as I can tell, even looking at pictures. Um, but I would still, you know, I would uh, play baseball in Little League. I used to love playing Little League baseball. And now like you invite me to a, a pickup baseball or softball game, I will move mountains to be there. <laughs> But uh, every time I would go into these leagues, it feels like my team would always uh, make it to, you know, the final game, the World Series of, of uh, Connecticut Little League, right? Uh, and, but um, we would always lose. And um, even once I got more into music, uh, it felt very, very often like I would be cast as the supporting character. And, you know, I would get the lead every now and then. And that was great. And that was fun. Um, but I was, I always felt like I was number two. And I kind of always felt like I had a rival. Um, and I won't name names, but I'm thinking about them in my head right now. I know exactly who they are. Uh, even now, you know, 10, 15 years later, I'm like, yep, this person was my rival for that one part in the high school play. Uh <laughs> This guy beat me in Little League when we were 12, like literally. And so I think because of that, I've, I've always been a chaser. So now I've done my best to, to take that impulse and, and harness it for my own benefit, right? Because I've learned that about myself, that I like to have someone to chase. Mm. So I'll, go, I'll try and find those people. And I won't tell them that I'm making them a rival, right? Because that's not a great spot um, that to, to put them into. Uh, but I mean, since I'm talking to you, Kyle, straight up, I saw that post that you put on Instagram where you're like as chiseled as all hell and your hair is all done. You're like, it's like, it's, it's a gorgeous photograph. Thanks, man. 
a piece of me is like, did, did someone draw that? Or is that actually Kyle? I don't know. Um, but now I'm like, oh, damn, like if that's real. Is that all right? All right, Kyle, I see you. I can't grow my hair like that. I'm not going to try. But uh, but but maybe may, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, and so that's I, I like to have rival. I, I prefer the term rival to role model. Mm. Right. And I don't really know why that is. But I've ever since I was I was little, I'm a chaser. And I like to if I'm the strongest person in my workout group, I'm going to find a new group. If I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm going to find a new room. Uh, I suppose I like that that small fish, big pond feeling. Oh, I uh, love that. I love the I love that the idea of the rival to the role model. I I think uh, I think I might actually adopt that because it it just actually had a click in my brain where I'm like, oh, so I think I that is absolutely that is absolutely such a great frame of mind because oftentimes we find ourselves aspiring to be like someone rather than compete with someone we can still yeah. learn the tactics that that per, that our competitors we can still learn the tactics that our competitors have implemented in order to benefit us of course which is good because then it practices uh humility and it reduces the ego because you're not going to be able to learn from someone if you already think you're hot shit but then if we actually look at it from a rival standpoint I actually find that like even just thinking about it, I'm like, okay, I like I feel like a little uh a little extra drive, like a little, oh, like a little perk. It's like mm -hmm. a perk. It's like I like thinking of a uh, gamification of life. And we were talking about before uh time. Yeah. And uh the thing the thing that's different between real life and video games or the montage, sorry. So the Rocky montage, that's what we were talking about. Oh, right. That two minutes, right? Similar to video games, we still put in the time, we still put in the effort of uh, accomplishing the main quest or side quests in order to develop uh, XP points and level up and skill acquisition to um, foster or increase our skill tree. And the only variable that's different is that time, that condensed amount of time. I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah. I think having a rival, like it's our main boss, like who's our main boss. And it's like, okay, well, we have to accomplish the quests in order to get to the boss in order to, well, in this case, let's go with a little bit more of a positive way <laughs> to be able to meet them and say, thank you for your knowledge. Thank you for your experience. Thank you for learning all the mistakes so that I don't have to. I feel like that's one of the big the big difference, like you, you mentioned just briefly, like two seconds before we started recording the hero's journey. And so my, now my, my head is on that. Right. And I feel like you, you need a mentor. Undoubtedly, you need at least one mentor. And also you need to find a mentor who's expensive. You got to pay. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, we didn't talk about that at all, but I think the, the financial pain is important for you to actually drive into something. Right. Uh, but you got to have a mentor to say thank you to and a rival to say fuck you to, right? <laughs> Writing that down. I, yeah. I just, came, I, man, I'm proud of that. I just came up with that right now. Dude, you're uh, on fire. <laughs> uh, you got to be grateful. You got to be humble. But you also got to drive and you got to know that you're worth it. And you got to like, I think this is very true of a lot of athletes, Right. Or a lot of people who are are high performers or who want to be high performers, that that like that that youngest sibling kind of thing of like, I gotta prove myself. Like, and I, I'm a youngest sibling as well. I got an older sister. Um uh, that like I gotta prove myself, I gotta earn it, I gotta this, I gotta that. Right. I think that's very common. Um uh, and you can either let it eat you alive or you can harness it and let it drive you. Know that about yourself and then push into it in a productive hopefully healthy or usually healthy i should say way because uh, it can consume you at the same time right you know this the the answer is never black and white it's always a shade of gray um so it's it's important to know those roles in your life and like hell just yesterday i spent another seven thousand dollars on a new mentor 
right? <laughs> like maybe that's why I said that to justify my own uh, actions. Uh, but it's you got it. It's got to. It's got to hurt to pay him, or you'll never really listen. That's totally legit, man. That's probably uh, what's that? What's that saying? Or not a saying? There's obviously we're talking stats when we talked about before. It's like what's what's that stat? It's like sixty eight percent of all stats is false, including yeah. this one or something like that. Yeah, something crazy like that. So I was gonna say some sort of stat that I was gonna make up, but I forget what it is. But however, there is the possibility. So how you're saying? I just paid for a seven thousand dollar coach. Within the first 24 to 48 hours, we usually oftentimes experience some form of buyer's remorse. Absolutely. Oh, I think man. you're I think you're currently countering your mental objections. <laughs> I mean, fingers crossed. I literally like they sent me the invoice. I literally had my wife come in to click, like I put in all the information. She clicked the pay button because I was having difficulty bringing myself to do it. Um because that like that's one of the hard things right? That's the first hard thing that you often have to overcome. And when you're talking with people about, you know, about training, right? Someone who's never trained before, hey, why, why haven't you ever hired a coach before? Oh, it's expensive. It is. Yeah, it should be. Is it important? Absolutely. But what's more important to you? Is it the dollars or is it the benefit of having a coach? Right. And we can, you know, we, we can spend a decade talking about just that, I'm sure. Uh, but I, I tell this to people on, on first meeting very regularly. Uh, but if you look at how a person spends their time, their money and their attention, you can often predict their future. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. let's look at how you're spending your time, your money and your attention. Cool. It's resulted in exactly where you are because you get what you deserve, whether you like it or not. The body you have, the finances you have, the life you have is a direct result of the actions that you have taken and you get exactly what you deserve, right? And of course, there's there's external factors that play a part in that that, that you can't overcome, right? Uh, but it doesn't mean that they're insurmountable. insurmountable. And you you... If you And if you believe that that's not true, if you believe that the thing you're facing is insurmountable, guess what? You're going to fail. So I don't care what issue you're dealing with. If you can find one example of someone who has overcome it, they have now proven that it's possible. And no human is special, right? This is another thing that, that I get flack for sometimes. Um, no one is special. I'm not special. You're not special, Kyle. I'm sorry. I have I have to break that to you, uh, listener, watcher. I'm sorry. You're also not that special. Our parents lied to us, right? But you're not so special that other people can do things that you can't. And anyone who you are looking at, your heroes, are not that special. There was a song that that came out. A Wall Nation. Uh, I think it was A Wall Nation. Um, and the song is, is something along the lines of, of kill your heroes. Right. And I'm going to mess, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this. So AWOL nation fans, I'm sorry, <laughs> but, uh, I remember listening to it when I was living in, uh, Victoria, BC, um, on my way to and from the liquor store that I was working at. And that's a different conversation. And it was like, oh man, this song, like, it's a crazy, awesome, like rock you like get you going you can listen to it for a workout for sure but basically the message that i took from it was that your heroes are not that special and i think that's part of the rival versus role model anybody in the world can be your rival because you can compete with them in my mind role models are on a mountaintop and you can aspire to it but actually attaining it can sometimes feel unachievable if someone's your rival you're suddenly at the same level or at least close enough to make it make it worth it. I think something that's a really cool frame on that one. I love, yeah. I'm just kind of looking at the visual, trying to picture it together, just because I work well with pictures, I guess. I'm like a child on the inside, you know? Uh, I'm kind of envisioning how the role model's on the top of the mountain, right? And the rival is the person that you're competing next to in order mm -hmm. to get to that role model, per se. 
And I think that that could also be used as a frame between bit. That is a, that is the visual that the climb up the mountain is that montage. The rival is your past self. The role model is your future self. And you're the one that's putting the steps in. I like it. That's great. I'm pretty pumped about that one. That's great. Dude, I am, I love, I lo- honestly, I just gotta say, like, I really love that you need a rival to say fuck you too. You need a role model to say thank you too. And that would tie in really well where you have the role model where I like, I think of Snoop Dogg when Snoop Dogg put his, got his star on the Hollywood walk, walk of fame and he's like chilling and he's like accepting his award. He's like, I just want to thank me for being my most for being my best supporter for putting in the work i want to thank me for being persistent and continuing on he didn't say persistent but that's the main idea and i really i really like that i think i think that because i was thinking about humility and i think that when you have an undeniable amount of proof that you are whatever that it is not it is not ego it is humility understanding it is humble to understand an objective truth because you're not bringing down your accomplishments in order to i'm not exactly sure where i'm going with this but it sounds interesting in order to pretend to be less humble or pretend to be more humble I think if someone has an objective truth where so-and-so had awesome progress and if someone says, wow, you're looking amazing, it's okay to say, yeah, thanks. Or yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And a lot of people find it awkward to accept uh, praise mm-hmm. because they don't want to be held onto a pedestal. But I think when we look at like the objective facts where it's like, shit, you do look good. Like it's okay to be like, yeah, I actually, I know I look good because the objective or sorry. Yeah. The objective truth is that I put in the effort. Yeah. So I think, I think that's, that's interesting. Yeah. People are so bad at at taking compliments. Oh man. They're so bad at it. Uh, (laughs) Why do you think that is? I think it comes from insecurity. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you think the insecurity is, um, <laughs> do you think the insecurity is oh do you think it it could be the mm, do you think it could be the self perception of the person doesn't match the compliment from the external source absolutely okay absolutely a hundred percent right um so from from what I've seen and, and my own experience, right? Because this is something that I, I struggle with too sometimes. Uh, it can often be difficult to accept praise for something that you don't feel you've done yet. And so much of the time, uh, the praise is meant to, you know, make you feel good and, and all that stuff that's important. But people only, so this, this goes back to what we're talking about in the montage bit, right? People only see the beginning and the end, right? They see uh, Rocky at the beginning, uh, getting his shit kicked in. And then they see him at the end, uh, you know, bloody face shouting Adrian with the, with the flag wrapped around him, looking like a, 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 the incredible hero, right? Um, and the montage in between that takes two or three minutes on film uh, encapsulates months and years potentially of training, right? And what we have to remember as real humans who don't have a film crew editing our montage together is that we have to live every single one of those seconds, one second at a time. So the same way that, you know, if Rocky was a real human, he would actually have to take all of those steps Whereas I'm, I bet in the movie, they helicoptered him in, put a fake log on his shoulders and said, cool, trudge, like take 10 steps through the snow so we can get this awesome helicopter shot, right? Like that's probably what happened in real life. But we don't have that luxury as actual humans, 
So we have to live every second of those of that montage one second at a time. The way that you can survive that, sometimes quite literally survive that, is by giving yourself those small victories along the way. So in the in your head, you say, cool, I'm you know, I'm 200 pounds now, I'm going to get to 150 pounds. And I just picked that to make math easy. Uh, and you don't reward yourself until you have lost all 50 of those pounds. But you're going to experience a huge amount of change in between point A and point B. You're going to look totally different at 175 than you did at 200. Like 25 pounds, you take 25 pounds of fat off someone, other people are going to notice right? If you reduce your body size by, by what's that 12 and a half percent, other people are going to notice. And they're going to say, Hey man, you're doing a great job. You look great. But it's so hard for us as humans to accept praise for something that we only feel half done for. Because in our mind, we've still got 25 pounds to lose. And it's true. You know, if your goal is 150 and you're at 175, you still got 25 pounds to lose. So you need to have this really, really difficult balance of ambition and contentment 100% of the time. That's pretty freaking cool. That's, yeah, you're totally right, man. So what do you think the, what do you think the way to, how would you accept the praise? How can you practice? Like, let's, let's turn it actually. Yeah. Let's turn it into like a mental method or a mental framework of mm -hmm. with the objection or sorry, the objective being, I want to fully accept, take in and appreciate the person that is admiring the effort I am putting in without decreasing the, yeah, something, something like that something something stewing what do you think of that um okay this this is gonna start off sounding really bad uh, but but stick with me stick <laughs> stick with me for a second um from what i can tell the majority of humans i think we spoke earlier about blanket statements and how i try to avoid them but uh i'm gonna use some so i'm sorry uh, <laughs> uh, humans are selfish Baseline, bottom line, if someone's doing something, chances are they have something to gain from it. So when someone gives you a compliment, are they trying to make you feel good? Are they trying to say, hey, I see you, I acknowledge what you're doing? Probably yes. But also, they have something to gain from giving you that compliment. Maybe it's it's increasing the relationship. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's they're looking for you to tell them how you're doing what you're doing. So they can learn how to how to improve them themselves, right? So um, humans are selfish. There's no such thing as a, as as um, true charity. Like this is all like potentially dark stuff, and we could go down that tunnel. Um, but when someone gives you a compliment, it's an opportunity for you as a human to give them something back. So be grateful that they gave you that compliment. Right. Even if you don't believe that it's true, especially if you don't believe that it's true, uh, be grateful for the compliment and then ask yourself, OK, what what does this person stand to gain from giving me this compliment? And then try to fulfill that for them. Hmm. I like that because then it actually closes a loop, too. Yeah, because uh then you're actually fulfilling the reciprocation. So it helps with the, from a psychological standpoint too. Absolutely. Absolutely. We want, if we want to talk about reciprocation, like that's, that's, I'm, have you read the, the Caldini book influence? I have not, but it's, I think I actually have it, but I, I have not. You haven't read, come on, Kyle. <laughs> I'll write uh, it down right now. It's, it's, it's dense, but it's amazing. Uh, and in that book, there's a story about the the Hare Krishna. Um, and so what they would do is they would give um, these cheap, like two penny flowers out to people. And they had very, oh, I'm gonna drop my pen. Um, and they would have very specific clothing on like these, these uh, robes of a certain color that like stood out in a New York subway, 
right? So you would know. Um, and so when you're getting off the train, there's people just giving away these flowers, right? And they're cheap plastic flowers. And then you climb the steps of the subway and lo and behold, there's someone with the exact same robe on. So they're very easily identifiable as connected, um, accepting donations for their organization. And if you received a flower 10 seconds ago, you know, 10 steps ago, the chances that you would give a donation were unreasonably high. And so they would give you a half penny flower and then you would give them a dollar. And chances are you would throw away the flower. And then sometimes the Hare Krishnas would go to where you threw away the flower, pick up the flower and give it to the next person. And then they would get another dollar. And so that's how powerful reciprocation can be. And I think subconsciously, we often know that. So we don't want to be in debt to anyone. So when someone gives you a compliment, that little voice in the back of your head, your subconscious, your old brain uh, goes, oh, now I'm in debt to this person. So I don't, maybe I don't want to accept the compliment. Like that's the first way to not be in debt is to not accept. But then you just made the other person feel like shit, potentially. And then that, then you're still in debt to them because now you made them feel bad. And so you have to make up for that somehow, Right. So accept the compliment, say, hey, thank you. I've been putting in a lot of work. And then, but don't undercut it and be like, hey, yeah, I've been putting in a lot of work, but I still got more to do. No, accept the compliment and then say, what are you working on? Is this something you've been thinking about? Make the conversation about the giver of the compliment. And I find that makes it so much easier to accept that and to feel better about yourself. Cause yeah, losing 25 pounds and you got a 50 pound weight loss goal. Like that's a big fucking deal. You deserve praise for that. You don't deserve so much praise that you say, Oh, I'm good now. I can give up. I lost 25 pounds. I never thought I would lose 25 pounds. Setting 50 was unrealistic. Bullshit. How often do you, do you, do you come across someone who's like, you know, I, I want to lose, I want to lose 10 or 20 pounds. Okay. Okay cool. Is that a stepping stone? Or is that like your ultimate goal? No, I really want to lose 110. But uh, but I want to set a realistic goal. Fuck realistic. Man, that's the biggest load of shit. See, now, now I'm on a tangent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I, I hope that's okay. No, I totally uh, I think I actually just like on that part where it's, I like having uh, I like thinking of it like I find that people struggle because they set unrealistic goals or no, sorry. They set realistic goals with unrealistic expectations mm. and we should flip it so that we set unrealistic goals, but we have realistic expectations of the tactics that we can do on a regular basis. I love that. Can I, can I propose one little change? Yeah. People set realistic goals because every goal is realistic. People set realistic goals with unrealistic timeframes, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. right? Like it would be completely unrealistic in 1990 to start Amazon. Yeah. And I, I don't know exactly what year Amazon started, right? I'm, it was somewhere in the nineties, I think. <laughs> Right. But I know it's not that old of a company. I think you and I are both older than Amazon and we're not old. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I think uh, it was 1990 and it just started with books. It was just, yeah, it was book delivery. Yeah. It would have been 1990s, easily to early 2000s. Anyways. Right. But if, if, you know, if, if Bezos was said at the beginning, Hey, I'm going to start a company and it's going to end up being one of the largest companies in the world. And I'm going to be one of the richest people in the world. And uh, I'm going to have, you know, a, a, my yacht is going to be so big that it has another yacht inside of it. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's unrealistic. It's completely unrealistic. But guess what? He did it. And like, you, we, we can have a moral conversation about Amazon and, and, and Bezos uh, later, I, I, that, that doesn't support my point. So I'm pushing it aside for now, uh, <laughs> but he set what any other human would say is an unrealistic goal 
gave himself an unreasonable amount of time to do it. And then he did. And he put effort in every single day. And he accomplished the goal. And now Amazon has shaped the way that we live our lives in many ways. Like a lot of what I have behind me is from Amazon. And I don't, I, a lot Same. of what I'm looking at is also from, from Amazon. Uh, <laughs> and and again, I, I can't say if that's, you know, morally or ethically right. Has he done some unethical things? Probably. I don't know what they are, but I leave that to greater minds than mine to figure out. But I do know that he started something and it grew into an unreasonably financially successful enterprise. So if someone can go from selling a book out of his parents' garage to owning a yacht that also owns a yacht, why can't you lose 75 pounds? Bezos, not that special. Totally. And it's cool because we, we also just need that one person to actually show us that it is possible. I think that more, not even more often than not, I'm with almost certainty, almost certainty. There's always people that will be like, no, but, uh, I think it's interesting when just using an example, like nutrition, for example, when someone says, oh, that won't work for me, but it's worked for thousands of other people. So I wonder it's kind of piggyback off of what you said earlier. No one's special. So I like thinking of the question, what makes you so special? That's what, what has worked for thousands of others will not work for you. And I think going, so that's from the mass to the small and then going for the uh, objective part where it's like, I want to accomplish this. When we get to find that person who is our role model or our rival. Oh, I love that. You said that, man, that is such, that is just fire. Um, but I find that when I find, or when I want to do something, I will find at least one person that has already done it. Mm -hmm. And then I have an immediate flip in my mind where I'm like, I think, okay, no, I can absolutely do it because one other person did it and they're no different than myself. We're all sourced from the exact same point in time where it's just a sun exploded. And now we're just here spontaneously is 400 trillion to one for either of us and any human that's listening to this to this exist. It takes the, I like thinking of this, this is like a cool example, but if our parents were five minutes or two minutes or 30 seconds or 10 seconds off in meeting, we wouldn't exist. So then that's just our parents meeting. Then we go all the way back to the source point in time where things just, whatever the individual's belief is, one thing we know for certain is that where things have been created, there had to be a start point. So from that start point, all the way to this point, all that shenanigans had to happen in order to get to this point, which is so crazy. But yeah. being able to see that one person was able to do even the bare minimum of what you aspire to do as a lifelong goal or objective or passion or purpose or a vision. I think just writing, writing like the, the idea that someone else can do it. So why can't I, and there's no information. There is no information for the most part indicating an individual cannot accomplish the same thing in my mind. Absolutely. There's only evidence that if one individual can do it, so can every other. So I, I feel like the like the mentality that that you just described is everyone is kind of the the opposite of of the way that I think, but you end up doing the same thing. And that's what's really important. Right. Mm -hmm. I like to think no one is special. It sounds like you what you just described is that everyone is incredibly special. Oh, I think it's uh I think but but if everyone is the same level of special, it doesn't matter where that level is. Everyone is capable of doing the same thing. Maybe I'm just an asshole that thinks no one is special. I don't. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think you're an asshole at all. What I think is important, actually, in my takeaway of the two different kind of perspectives, is 
It's about finding the, per- the perspective that fits with where you want to go and not just accepting one perspective. So for example, I got the question where, uh, do you think, do you think life has purpose or meaning? I personally think that life has both no meaning and all meaning. And the reason I think that is because if you look at the expanse of the universe, we're just a little finite, spontaneous, um, creations that happen by fluke. So it's, it's unique. It's meaningful because of the finite amount of time that we get to experience our surroundings. But when we zoom out, it doesn't matter. It's not meaningful. There's nothing that's going to be remembered from anyone 5,000 years from now, or maybe like 10,000, we'll say 10,000. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the, the time that we have is short. And so the only meaning that matters is the meaning we ascribe. Mm. I like that too. And I think, so going with everything, being persistent on finding that thing, no matter what. So it's like, maybe, maybe it's not a pleasure-based goal. It's a pain-based goal. Sure. And if it's, it's like, oh, well, you know, like the pleasure-based goal doesn't really work for me. Okay. So what's your pain-based goal? I think when folks, when folks are wanting to accomplish something and the moment they find the resistance, like I don't have the right narrative, then it's done. And then they just stop looking. But I think if someone really wants something, or if I want something bad enough, I will continue to search for the narrative that fits the outcome I want rather than accepting the narrative that I've just came up with. Yeah. So I, I use this on, on, on first meetings pretty regularly. Um, and I, I think it just reinforces your, your point. Um, you know who Usain Bolt is, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. For for anyone who might not, he's a, he's, he's pretty quick when it comes from going to, to zero to a hundred meters. He's pretty, he's pretty quick. Um, he, he, his world record may have been beaten recently. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't keep up to date on on track. Um, I compete in strongman, not track. We're very different. But <laughs> uh, for a long time, he was uh, the the fastest man in the world in the 100 meter, the 200, and I think also the 400. Um, you know, Jamaican guy, 6'5", gorgeous, all that great stuff. Uh, at the finish line for him was money, was fame, was legacy was potentially power. Like it was all of these amazing things. And he ran pretty damn fast to get there. I think his world record is something like 9.28 seconds or something like that, which is unreal. Like there are bicycles that don't go that fast. Crazy. Um, But I would bet that he would somehow find a way to run even faster towards that finish line if there was a friggin' lion on his heels, right? So as an individual, I think we all have to decide, am I running towards the finish line or am I running away from the lion or do I get to have best of both worlds? Can I put something tangible and specific that I love at the finish line and something terrifying and horrible and deadly at the start line. And of course, this varies from situation to situation, to person to person. There's a huge amount of variance in it, right? Uh, there I go covering my ass for making blanket statements again. Nice. But uh, <laughs> what, what I can tell you from my own personal experience is the times that I have been the most successful in accomplishing the biggest things over the longest period of time, I had both. Undoubtedly, I had both. Even with with you know with the business right now, I do my best to give myself both every single time. Right, I, the the lion right now for me is that I don't get to prove that I'm worth a damn to that that teacher who told me that I was too fat when I was 19. Right, I have to prove that I'm the youngest sibling. I have to prove myself every step of the way. Uh. And of course, what's across the finish line is the same thing as Usain Bolt, right? I mean, who who doesn't want to have an unlimited supply of money? Who doesn't want to have power? Who doesn't want to have legacy? Who doesn't want to have all those things? Of course. Who doesn't? Like, that's great. Cool thing about business, of course, is that it's an infinite game. 
So the way you win is you get to keep playing. And the only way to lose is to go out of business and to stop playing the game. Uh, so I don't know where I don't I don't have a nice button to put on that. But no, uh, I, was, I, thought, I thought that was great. Man. Give, ahead, give yourself a lion and a finish line and you'll be more successful. There was a there was a study that was done at <laughs> studies, <laughs> but there is there is one that was done with mice and it it's riffing off of uh, the idea that you got there. But it was. Uh, yeah, so there's mice and they were put into a cage and they attached. They attached like a little uh, fake piece of cheese mm. to a pulley system so that they could measure the strength of the mouse that was pulling the cheese. Right. Sure. And so they would, or they put like the smell of cheese through this uh, weight. I'm just going to say weight to test the pressure or pull strength. And they found that the mice that would go in with just the cheese smell would be a little bit more casual and they would pull just enough. So they, if they were in the, in the cage, no smell was going in. They wouldn't do anything. The smell of cheese, they would go and be more casual. And then they did another one where they did the smell of cheese and then behind them, the smell of a cat. And they found that their overall strength increased where they went to the cheese faster. They were able to pull harder, but they had that combination of pleasure and pain. They had uh, both uh, motivational markers. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Why, why only, why pick one to only have when you could have both, right? Use, use all the tools at your disposal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, So, this is a question that I really like asking folks. It's a repeat one, but I think it's uh, enjoyable because I don't think enough people talk about love. And uh, there's a lot of love in my podcast. Like everyone, everyone's just been amazing. So what role does love play in building, creating and developing for you? Uh, see, now that you asked me that question, I remember you asking that question to other people and thinking, Man, that's a great question. Uh, and now I, and even though I was half expecting it, I, I, I don't have a great answer off the top of my head. Um, what role does love have in creation? I think is, is yep. you, you used some, some more eloquent words and I'm sorry, they, they escaped me off the top of my head. No, building, uh, creating and developing. Creation is totally fine. Building, creating and developing. Okay. Um, and I think that goes a lot towards towards the, the the pleasure and pain that we were we were just talking about right um the 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 pleasure is is the love it, you have to have it right if if it's not there then when things get hard you're not gonna see you're not gonna feel like it's worth it and so you're gonna give up you know and that um that's a real thing so with whatever you're trying to build if you don't love it if you don't either love the thing or love the the way the thing the way the result of the thing makes you feel, then you're 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 sunk. Your your motivations are not strong enough to make it actually happen. Uh, so it's it's an important part of the equation, for sure. No matter what, there, and you have to. I think loving the the result of the thing or the way that the result makes you feel is even more important than loving the things that you're doing because there's going to be there's going to be horrible parts of anything that you try it doesn't matter what that thing is right uh in in business in education in life like there's going to be bad parts of it it's going to be some times where you got to embrace the suck but if you don't love the way that the thing makes you feel at least sometimes then there's then there's no point in actually doing it, uh, and and you wouldn't you give up on it. That's honestly why I stopped playing baseball, right? At least competitively, because uh, I I at one point I loved it. It was great, uh, and then the love kind of went away, and so I found something else that I loved. I think people people find that they sometimes have a limited supply 
of love. And I don't think that that's true. Because it's, it's, it's boundless. It's limitless. Uh, and you create it out of nothing every time. That's so true. That's a fan for, for not having an answer off the top of your head. That was a fantastic answer, my man. <laughs> I just so kind of let good. myself start talking and, and, you know, see what happens. Yeah. And just trust what comes out of your mouth. You're like, hopefully this is just like the truest truth. Here fingers, we go. Crossed, I don't fall all over the place and smack my face on something. But um, yeah, I mean, the more I, I think about that, the more I think it's, it's, it's true. I mean, love it is limitless because it can be created from nothing uh and it only gets created inside your own mind and then expressed through your actions uh so yeah love and and really the expression of love is is everything it's only half of the equation like we were just talking about you got to have some pain behind it potentially too uh but if you don't have that half, you're, you're sunk before you begin. It's hard to recognize the feeling of love when we don't understand or we have not experienced the feeling of pain. I, I have to have the contrast in order to find the sweet spot in between the Goldilocks zone. Goldilocks zone. It's all about oh, man. Goldilocks zone. Okay. I had a couple other questions, but usually I like to try. I, I like to leave leave the podcast on a note where... It just highlights the good vibes of the guest. And I'm not really sure if, well, I'll just have to have you on again. I'm down. And that would be awesome. And one day, one day I will do in person and I'm just going to make my way down to Phoenix and I'll just have you in person and it'll be freaking yeah. so weird. That'd be great. That's kind of like what my, that's one of my visions for the podcast is like, I want to do a travel one so I can just oh, go hang out awesome. with cool people and selfishly learn from people. Make <laughs> try to try to make me smart. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, my friend, I got uh, two final questions for you. Uh, I love them; they're fun. For those of you that are listening, I'm going to switch up the uh, "How do you define a limitless life?" question with another one. Hopefully, you like it. Be sure to message me and let me know what you think. Uh, so. My friend, Ted, first question, going to set the uh, scene for you. Um, it's the end of your life. You're on your deathbed. There is no content. This podcast doesn't exist. You have your loved ones around you. What is a piece of advice you want to pass on to others? I think the most succinct way that I can put it is that growth is supposed to be uncomfortable. That's awesome. That is awesome. And then for the last one, this is the cool one. I think it's going to be cool. So <clears throat> the best Ted, the best you is hanging out right next to you and wants to give you a piece of advice for the season that you're in and it could be whatever whatever kind of main points are there struggles uh ambitions um insights what advice does the best ted the best of you give you for your season trust and work solves all problems I'm going to write that down. I'm gonna go, I like that. That is awesome. I'm, I'm, go ahead. I'm tempted to like justify and say, and say what that means, but, but go for it. Yeah. Go okay. for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm torn on that. Like, do I want to justify or do I just want to drop it and leave? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, right. I mean, the, cause, cause you, you have to trust, um, that your past experiences are going to treat you well. And you have to trust that, um, you know, that the mentors that you've given a bunch of money to are, are going to have your best interest at heart. And you have to trust that you are strong enough to take what the world gives you and work to the point that it becomes valuable. You don't get to choose 
if what the world gives you is valuable, you only get what the world gives you. So you have to work to make it valuable. Oh man, that's a fan. I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that you elaborate on that. Although it would have been a pretty interesting mic drop at that point, but that's a <laughs> fantastic, that's awesome. I love that dude. All right, folks. That's what I've got for you for this episode. Where can people find you, Ted? Uh, they can find me on all the social medias um, at uh, either High Note Performance or High Note underscore performance. You can find uh, the website at highnoteperformance.fit. Um, make sure you go to .fit. If you go to highnoteperformance.com, you will end up at a motorcycle apparel company in New Delhi. Um, that was a total accident. I started the company before I found that out. But highnoteperformance.fit. Um if you want to get in touch directly, you can, you know, go through Instagram. You can email me at uh, ted at highnoteperformance.fit. Um, and I would love to, to, you know, talk more, continue this, this conversation. Didn't even get to the, the cool neurology stuff that I like to do. Uh, but uh, anyone who, you know, has questions about anything that, that, that I said or wants to learn more, that's how you find me. Nice. I'm definitely going to have you on again for the neurology part. Absolutely. Without a doubt, dude. Hold it down. All right, folks. If you love today's episode, please do me a favor right now. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me with my handle at warriorbodycall along with at highnote underscore performance. That is one of the ways that we grow. And until next time, I hope your day treats you as good as you look.